I am, uh, I keep getting this one word all during this service, and it is, I looked for a man. You could put a woman in there as well. But I, I looked for a man. What an incredible sobering statement. You didn't want the prophecies given to you today. Time out. Can we just, you don't want that prophecy that was given. There were two or three of them given today because of what it means if you're going to fulfill that. That this would be a place that would challenge the powers in Colorado. This would be a place that you have to gain authority by purifying your hearts so that you could actually gain authority over the powers of Jezebel and Ahab. Basically, the prophecies are, in some ways, you are Elijah. Come on. Uh, thank you. Yeah, you don't want to clap even for that prophecy. And I'm, I'm, I'm struck by this. And before I go on, I, I, I'll just deliver this, what I've seen. I believe there is going to be a, a dorm on this property where priests will live. And they will go day after day to win the battle of the heavens. We've had prayer meetings, but we don't have a prayer culture. Muslims have a prayer culture. Buddhists have a prayer culture. We have prayer meetings that very few go to. When 911 happened, I had actually called 21 days of fasting in New England because on 9, 9, whatever it was, 921, whatever, 11 days later, we were going to hold the call in Boston. And I wrote a 21-day devotional, not knowing, but on 9-1-1, my devotional was this, we've lost air supremacy in America. They're building bombs, we're building refrigerators. We don't even know there's a war going on. And I said in the devotional that day, I said, the prophetic movie for this year is Pearl Harbor. They're reading it why planes are blasting into our, into our buildings. James Dobson's guys called us. How did you guys know this? We didn't. We just simply prophesied it. Folks, we've lost air supremacy in America. The Lord spoke to me years ago. No one's targeting false ideologies with massive fasting and prayer. Because behind the ideologies of LGBT and abortion are spirit powers. And we're trying to deal with it on politics, which we need to. But if we don't win the battle of the heavens, we don't shift things. And the church has made a big deal of doing stuff on the ground, but very little about winning the battle in the heavens. And Daniel chapter 10, in many ways, is our great, uh, uh, our great model who shifts the empire of the Persians through fasting and prayer, one man. And I, 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 I presented to you, uh, uh, Mike, but I, I could see like a dorm 
where you could house 50 people who would basically, day by day, make the wheels of hell grind hard. Future development. I saw the sign, future development. I wonder what they'll develop. Now, I, I'm, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm simply saying, and I'm just going to share a little bit of, of a story. It was in, in the midst of revival, 2005, around there, 2005, 2006, 2005. I read an article by a guy named James Gall, a prophet, crazy man. And uh, he had been where the Moravians held a 100-year prayer meeting. And... And he said, out of this, he says, can these bones live again? And he said, um, and he said, 120 cities will have day and night prayer and worship after the Moravians. And it, then it will spread all over the world. Well, this is 1995, 1995. And when I read that book, I mean, that article, I'd met James Gall one time. I ran down into Mod Auditorium where the revival was taking place, incredible move of God for three, four years, hundreds of thousands of people came through our doors. And I ran down into Mod Auditorium, that old, old Nazarene revival center, and I began wailing and crying, God, here, Mod Auditorium, 24-hour house of prayer. Here, Lord, Mod Auditorium, 24-hour house of prayer. As I'm praying that, my friend, I get a phone call. I go up and get the phone call. I felt like the Lord said, get the phone call. My friend picks me up. I, I, I pick, uh, he picks up the phone, or I picked up, he picked up the phone. And I said, I'm reading this article by this guy named James Gall. And I'm crying out, here, Lord, Mod Auditorium, 24-hour house of prayer. Here, Lord, Mod Auditorium, 24-hour house of prayer. He said, that's why I'm calling you right now. Because you see, I'm in another city and James Gall is preaching this very moment. And he just stopped preaching and began to prophesy. Lou Ingle, Mott Auditorium, 24-hour house of prayer. Lou Ingle, Mott Auditorium, 24-hour house of prayer. I realized that this is not a fad. This is something that God is unleashing as, as his, his welcoming party. That earth... It, is becoming like heaven. God lives in the continuous and swathment of praise. And earth is beginning to move on earth to make, make earth feel like home to God. He's, he comes where he's wanted. And so, 1996, I, I won't go into the whole thing, but Bill Bright called for two million believers to go on 40-day fast. My wife and I, we, we launched a 24-hour little uh, Moravian lampstand, two by two. We didn't have Misty Edwards. We had a boombox. <laughs> My shift was from 3 to 6 in the morning. Many times he gave to his beloved in his sleep. <laughs> but I... We, we, we launched that house of prayer for 40 days, uh, very, just barely any Jews, for 40 days. And the Lord really did speak to us. But at the end of it, like on the 39th day, I have a dream. 
And in this dream, I am, uh, uh, I see that the prayer room has a blue pulpit in the middle, a blue table, and it's a war room. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. You're not done yet with your 40 days because my house of prayer is not just a devotional house of prayer. It is a war room. It is a war room. Intimacy moves his heart, but dominion gives him honor. The house of prayer that's built on pietistic intimacy alone is not fulfilling its highest calling. The full call, it is the highest calling. The bridal paradigm is the highest calling. I believe the ultimate quest is face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. But there's another quest that is called, I call it the vision quest of fulfilling the divine calling of dominion for the church. Now, I'm not talking about full dominion until Jesus has got to return, but I believe that like Daniel, in every place where antichrist systems boast their dominion, God will raise up testimonies of his dominion in the midst of antichrist Colorado cultures. And the Lord showed me, showed me this, this is a war room. And he spoke to me, he says, now I want you to walk this territory that you're in for 40 days. You've done 40 days of fasting. I want you to walk for 40 days. On the 39th day, I was claiming this property for, the, for these certain purposes. And I have a dream on the, like the 39th day and, uh, of this prayer walk. And in the, in the dream... I'm walking on the sidewalk that I've been walking for 40 days and this guy comes uh, up to me and says, Lou, the Lord is now answering the three prayers you've been praying for all these days. And in the dream, I looked down and I was standing on the sidewalk, but it was a serpent. And I was standing on the serpent's head and I began dancing on the serpent's head. The Lord gave us a dream of a Buddhist house of prayer on top of a Christian house of prayer. And the Buddhist house of prayer was dominating the Christian house of prayer. But in the dream, in the wrestling match, the Christian house of prayer does a reversal and begins to dominate the Buddhist house of prayer. And the Lord spoke to me, your life calling is to raise up a house of prayer that will contend with every other house that exalts itself against the knowledge and supremacy of Christ. We've only toyed with ecclesia. We've done church, but not ruling body. I appreciated the dear brother that welcomed me this morning. He says, welcome to church. Thank you, brother. I love you. But that's not the word that Jesus used. He didn't use church. I'll build my church. He built my ecclesia. It would bring a mega shift. And I think this place is an ecclesia. Where else do you do these kinds of things on Sunday services? I, I'm just saying. Wouldn't it be a mega mind paradigm shift to say, to say we wake up this morning and says, oh, we're going to the ecclesia this morning. Just if we had that mindset. Oh, we're going to the ruling body. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, I, 
I'm not trying to tell you to change the name. Well, maybe I am. Napoleon, Napoleon was surveying his troops. He walked up to this one guy, by this one guy, just shaking. And he says, what's your name? Napoleon. And the guy said, Napoleon. He says, live up to your name or change it. We become a, a block party. But God says, I'm going to build. I'm saying this not because I don't. Just, I don't just preach. I don't preach this all the time. I don't. But I felt even with the word that Danielle gave on this rock, I will build my ecclesia. On this rock, and then it goes on, and Jesus begins to speak about how much you're going to have to suffer. He's going to suffer, and Peter said, "You don't have to do that." He said, "Get behind me." If you became the rock where the gates of Hades will not prevail, then you will suffer. I want to take communion for the blessings of what he bought by his blood. But he says to his disciples when they're going to the communion service, can you drink my cup? There's another thing. Enjoy the covenantal blessings of Jesus. And another thing like, with where we actually take on the scars ourselves of that covenant. Now, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not being heavy. I'm just saying these prophetic words were profound today. And you have to ask the question, what does this mean to us as a people? I believe that within 120 miles, God can use this place to shift the culture of Colorado. It may take 20 years. Come on. Listen, you, you don't move demonic strongholds like are in this state by simply waving a wand. There is a dimension, are you willing to die? Are you willing to become that man? I want to look at that passage. I don't really have time, but I... I, 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 I I'm, I'm, I'm gripped this morning as we say, I looked for a man. God's looking for something in Colorado. Yeah. God's looking for something in Colorado and, and he's looking for a man or he's looking for a, a church, ecclesia. He's looking for a people. And I, I want to make, uh, uh, make comments on this in terms of removing principalities and power. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verse, uh, uh, chapter 22, this is an amazing passage. Turn with me, if you will. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, and you, son of man, will you judge, will you judge the bloody city? Come on. Will you judge Denver? Will you stand as a judge over the powers of bloodshed that our governor has released that you can kill babies to the moment of birth? I think we've become so dull. Can you imagine? My daughter just gave birth to a beautiful little girl. Can you imagine that beautiful little girl, fully formed, 
and you could stick a, a knife into that skull of that child, suck the brains out, crush its bones, and pull it out. My God, there should be a moral outcry. And churches that don't say anything as was spoken here today will be held accountable. Not just churches, people. The, the demonic powers demand abortion. It fuels the demonization of this culture. It may be now not in pyramids on top of pyramids, but stainless steel tables. But it is still bloodshed, and it has a voice to God. Goes on, will you judge the bloody city? Thus says the Lord God, a city that sheds blood in her midst, so that her time may come, judgment, and makes idols to defile us. You have become guilty by the blood that you have shed and defiled by the idols you have made that you, brought, that you have brought your days near. The appointed time of your years have come. Therefore, I have made you a reproach to the nations. Verse 6. Behold, the princes of Israel in you, the, in you, everyone according to his power, have been bent on shedding blood. Look at the princes. Underline princes. These are your governors, your leaders. Verse 9, there are men in you, in you who slander to shed blood. Just seeing these television commercials against O'Day, whoever O'Day is. And they're just thrashing him because of his stand on abortion. Thank God for whatever stand he's taken. But do you see this? It's incredible. Abortion, once again, has become the centerpiece of this election. The princes use their power. They slander to shed blood. Over and over again. Verse 12. In you they take bribes to shed blood. Verse 13. Behold, I strike my hand at the dishonest gain that you have made and at the blood that has been in your midst. I look at another translation. Strike your hand doesn't mean to. It means I beat my fist. Have you ever worshiped the God who beats his fist? How, how we doing? I hope this is not being filmed. <laughs> Have you worshiped the God who beats his fist? At the shedding of innocent blood right down the street. But he says, I beat my fist at the shedding of innocent blood. It's not because he's a mean, angry God, because he's wounded, because each of these children are a dream in his heart. It goes on, verse 25, the conspiracy for prophets. You've got the princes. You've got the people. You've got the prophets. Verse 26, her priests have done violence to my law. Verse 27, her princes in her midst are like wolves, tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives to get dishonest gaze. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them. Verse 30, I sought for a man who would build up a wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but found none. 
Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their heads, declares the Lord. I sought for a man. What a statement. Can we get, can, can we get this? I, I sought for a people. I sought for a church. To stand in the gap is baby basically saying, over my dead body, this thing's going to move. I, that's what it, it actually means. Over my dead body, this thing, abortion in Colorado, is going to end. And like I say, it could take 20 years. But he's looking for something. I looked, I sought, I sought for a man, but I couldn't find any. It's one thing to stand and be in a service and hear these prophecies. It's another thing to be what God is seeking for. And it, it, it is, it's a sobering word, but it's a glorious word. There's a, there's a passage somewhere, I don't even know where it is. It said, even if my servant Moses or Noah or Daniel were here, they couldn't turn me from judging the nation. What an amazing passage. That's a bad news passage. Actually, it's, it's an amazing passage. But if there was still hope, I've got my go-to guys. Come on. T time out. Help me now. But if there was hope, I'd be going to those. I look for a man. I'm not saying that your calling necessarily, your main calling is the issue of abortion, but there's still the same kind of thing he's looking for in your business, in the place you live, for your family. I looked for a man. I couldn't find any. Turn with me to Isaiah 50. And this passage has gripped me. Verse 2. Why when I came was there no man? Why when I called was there no one to answer? Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? He's saying... I can end abortion in Colorado. Is my hand and my arm too short that it cannot save? I can do this. I just need someone on earth that will stand with me. A people that will become what I'm looking for. And the gates of Hades' death will not prevail against it. It's one thing, thing to get a word on this rock and I felt like the Lord gave me the same word that Danielle said to you. That there's something here about this 120-mile radius or whatever. This is a, a peg-driven. I'm going to tell you, everything in hell will try to drive and, to, and break that peg off. Don't be careful. He said, be careful. Don't be careful. If you're that peg, that is a dangerous place to be. Because it all hangs on you. I'm really a nice guy. I'm a happy guy. This is pretty intense. Intense. But I wasn't even going to preach on this until I came in. And you're calling for Joel too. And, you know. And, 
I'm thinking, oh gosh, what did I step into? Then you turn it into this wild prayer meeting with these prophecies. And J.I. says, you've got to break deceptions, spirits of deception. You can't do that by simply doing stuff on the ground. You're going to have to raise up a house of prayer that contends with every other ideology that exalts itself. I'm not saying everybody's going to be in this dormitory, if that is really a true word. It is an accurate word. Well, let, let, me, let me go on and tell the story. Because I've said to God, I, I, you know, you, you, I have a, a multitude of failures, but I've, I've said to the Lord, this is Isaiah 50, this is, then he says, he says, I looked for a man. There was no one here to answer. Then verse 4, suddenly a man appears. And it's the servant, Jesus, the servant, appears as the answer to, I couldn't find anyone. And the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a, a word, with a word him who is weary. You are brought into the, into the servant's devotional discipleship class with Father. He actually, the Father, we see this is how Jesus was discipled. He's brought into an early morning awakening, morning by morning, and the Holy Spirit speaks to him. The Father teaches him morning by morning. He opens his ears to listen like one being taught. Notice he doesn't, just like Abraham, he doesn't, he doesn't tell Abraham from the get-go, go kill your son. You didn't get that. Abraham and Isaac. He, does, he gives him a lifetime of experience of, of hearing the voice, and he's, he begins to develop a habit of, here I am. Spiritual responsiveness to the voice. And it builds up to a crescendo when he says, now, take now thy son, the only son whom you love. <laughs> obedience, costly obedience that literally shifts history. From that moment on, when, I, when Abraham pulled the knife on his son and began to bring it down, the Lord says, send an angel at the speed of light. Hold it, Abraham. I swear because you've not withheld your son, your only son whom you love, I swear your children will be like the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Something, revival, is not just some sovereign act. I think it is God's divine catharsis on someone's love obedience that literally... At that point, covenantally, Abraham put a command or a covenantal demand on God to offer up his own son. At that point, God had no options because an earth being had obeyed him in covenant love to offer his son. Now, God put, was put under a demand to offer up his own son. I don't know if that makes sense, but covenantal intercession, I believe, is the highest dimension. If we will obey him, 
He leads him through this process. He opens his ear morning by morning like one being taught. And then it says this. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened or the Lord God opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the bird. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. It goes on in this amazing passage. And this passage God used mightily in one of the greatest moments of obedience in my own personal life. I shared this with some of you, but it was, it was um, the Lord had spoken to me over these years to raise up a house of prayer that contends with every other house. What happened is the Lord began to awaken our ear to divine assignments. Help me now. To awaken. Sometimes we just go through life without even desiring for our ears to be opened. I don't want to just do a job. I want to live an adventure of hearing the voice. Don't clap too loud. He may tell you to sell your house. To follow Jesus does not make sense to anybody but your own crooked, crazy mind. <laughs> You're seeing a whole team of psychiatrists. I look at my journey of following the voice, usually in dreams, where he awakens my ear and I don't reason myself out of the prophetic voice. They reason, how many times do we reason ourselves out of costly obedience? So we live nice Christian lives, but frankly quite bored because there's no adventure. To follow the voice is crazy, but it's glorious. I watched the movie a little bit last night, which I always do, called The Field of Dreams. I never did a crazy thing until I heard the voice. If you build it, he will come. It's the story of my whole life journey. The New Agers get it better than the church does. People have accused me of honoring that movie because it's New Age. <laughs> Maybe the New Age understand the spirit realm of following the voice more than the church does because we've... So, so in 1999, I entered into a wild prophetic journey in which the Lord began to send me on this incredible following the voice. And I, maybe I don't have time to do that, but I, 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 want, I want to encourage that this church, I, I saw that you do three days of fasting. I, I love that, the, the bridegroom fast type of deal. I love that. I, I want to I encourage the days when we will do 40-day fasts. That many of you will, it will be quite radical. 1999, this guy came to me, this YWAM guy, and he says, hey, hey uh, would you help me call the whole world to 40 days of fasting? 
first 40 days of the new millennium, I'm thinking the whole world, I haven't even done the call yet. Nobody, nobody's going to listen to me. But I was reading a book called Atomic Power Through Prayer and Fasting about a massive movement of fasting in 1945, 46, 47, 48 that opened up the doors of revival. The great evangelists rose in this time. Israel becomes a nation. I believe it was a global 40-day fast. The book was called Atomic Power Through Prayer and Fasting. I said, God, if you want me to call this fast, have someone call me with a dream that I'm flying a plane and dropping an atomic bomb. <laughs> I, that night, I, because I'm reading the book, Atomic Power Through Prayer and Fasting. And they were doing 40-day fasts with no food. All the healing revivalists were doing this. That night, some prophet calls me and says, I had this dream last night, you're flying this plane and dropping an atomic bomb. <laughs> I thought, oh, wow, dude. But all the deal was, the deal, deal was, I said, Lord, but that will never mobilize the whole world. There's a prophet coming to our church called Paul Cain. Have him call me out if you want me to do this and use Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 as a confirmation. Cast your bread upon the water. My wife and I are sitting over there. He calls my wife out by her first name that no one knows, Joanne, and her birthday. Calls me out by my middle name, my birthday. And he says, and I see that you are skinny, for you are fasting. And the Lord says, Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, cast your bread upon the water. <laughs> he gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. I, I called that fast. I don't know who did it. Maybe I did. <laughs> but the scripture says, and after many days, you will find it. Cast your bread upon the waters, and after many days, 15 years go by, and I write a book called Jesus Fast, and it goes all over the world. And the world is fasting 40 days for the outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Don't wait to cast your bread upon the water. Don't look for the big stage. Your stage is right where you are right now. Sow your seed and watch what God will do in 20 years. In 2002, this was the marker that, that messed me up more than anything. And in 2002, this is, a gal in 1999 had a dream. And in this dream, and I'm going to have to just, just speed up, but maybe just do this again sometime. But um, uh, 2002, this lady in 1999 had this dream of this Roman war goddess sitting on this body of water, heaping up huge waves, and people were swimming in the waves and couldn't get to their destinies. But in the dream, she said, an angel appeared to her and said, the only thing that can break the power of this spirit is 40 days of fasting like Jesus on water. I rebuke that dream. <laughs> Actually, she said, does it mean anything to you? I said, yes, I've been interceding for California for 20 years. There is a Roman war goddess on a body of water in San Francisco. And it's called Minerva. Could it be there is a spirit in San Francisco that is dominating the culture of Los Angeles? I mean, of California. 
That's the bad news. The good news is it can be broken if it's a true dream. Now you'd say, well, this is insane. Many people would say, well, you know, that's a cool dream, but to stand in awe of dreams. I got one, come on. Dreams are the last day's language of the Holy Spirit. We just say simply, it's just a dream. But how do we know that God is not speaking to us? For 30 years, we followed dreams founded on the scriptures, and those dreams have led us into the influence in ways we could never have imagined. I'm going to pray for dreams before we go today. And she says, does it mean anything to you? I said, yeah, this Minerva. Three years went by, I'm flying home from Korea, the call Korea, an Olympic stadium to San Francisco, to mobilize for the call San Francisco. And as I'm flying home, the dream comes back to me and I get this intense desire to fast 40 days on water. Anytime the devil Anytime you get an intense desire to fast, you can bet the devil's not tempting you. <laughs> I get so encouraged when my spirit is being drawn into a fast because I know something's about ready to break. Shaping history through prayer and fasting. And I, I get this intense desire, but I'm thinking, God, I'm going to die. I, I've never done 40 on water. I've got seven kids. I can't die. And I'm in this wrestling match with God. And I said, Lord, Lord, I want to do this fast, but I can't die. And he says to me, he says, do you love California enough to die for it? Now, I want to just make a comment. Principalities and powers are moved when we're put on death ground. Jesus went to the cross. It wasn't his loud cries that moved God. It was his obedience to go to the cross. That was his intercession. If God finds a people who are willing to die, in one sense, I'm not telling you necessarily, but fasting is a measure of death. It is a death to the flesh. But there is dimensions of breakthrough that actually we enter into the, uh, the sufferings of Christ that are not fully fulfilled yet. Scripture speaks about it. And I said, God, I hope I love California enough to die for it, but God, you gotta confirm this to me. I got seven kids, I can't die. The morning of my 50th birthday, I'm reading Isaiah 50, and I'm rocked by this. He said, I, he awakened my ear to listen, and I set my face like flint. I had no idea what God was leading me into, but that morning I got with the young man that was married to the woman who had the dream three years ago. Why I met with him on my 50th birthday, I don't know. But God sets up divine moments to baptize us with confidence that we're not just doing good ideas. Help me now. He wants to baptize us with confidence. We don't know who we are. I look for a man. I said, God, I'll be that man. God, make me that man. And the first words out of his mouth, 
This guy that was married to the woman who had the dream in 1999 says, hey, my wife just had another dream last night. In the dream, a woman came to her and said, Lou is fasting the fast he dreamed about three, th three you dreamed about three years ago. He thinks he's going to die, but he will not die. <laughs> Suddenly, I know that I am an intercessor for California. I'm coming to give this message to the Rock Church because of the words that were given today. That there is a dimension that God wants to baptize a people on this rock. I will build my ecclesia and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That means the gates of death, the gates of abortion. Could we set our face that in 20 years, if it takes that long, abortion will end and God will look at it, people and said, I found, I found a man. I found a woman in Colorado. Well, this word came, it rocked me. And it goes right back to, 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 to Tracy, your, your word today. And so for 40 days, I went on water. You might have blew, blown it a couple times, but. <laughs> I looked for a weak man. And from the book of Revelation, I would do this every day. I have this against you, tolerate the woman Jezebel who seduces my bond servants into sexual immorality. Search the hearts and minds, but to him who overcomes, I'll give him authority over the nations. What if God found a people, not walking in perfection, believe me, I know my failures. But every day, I would cleanse myself and pray the blood would just cleanse me from all inward toleration. And I'm just not talking about pornography. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? He have clean hands, pure heart. Who have not lifted their soul to idols, another translation, is to vanity. We fill our souls with vanity. Good vanity. Sports vanity. Entertainment vanity. How can we find a people like we're singing about filled with fire when all this fire is diluted by good things that keep us from burning? And I'm preaching to myself, please. And then every day I would take my stand in front of that Jezebel, Minerva, Jezebel, same thing. I would take my stand. I would place myself in my imagination before that spirit and I would declare the victory of the blood of the cross over Jezebel in California. Day after day, I, I remember thinking, what the heck am I doing? Psalm 50, behold my servant who walks in darkness and sees no, and has no light, let him trust in the Lord. In seasons of fasting or seasons of our life, there is something about being able to stand because of the prophetic opening of the ears that keep you when you can see nothing. Come on. They keep you on your line. And if you fail, you get back up on the line because the promises of God don't fail. And on the 31st day of that stand, I was in San Diego preaching on extended fasting and prayer. 
And at one o'clock in the morning in the hotel, I have a dream. And I'm flying over California, roaring the victory of the cross over Jezebel. I wake up roaring and I knew something had broken. I didn't realize what the Lord was doing is through that fast, he was actually calling me to challenge the altars of Baal. Now this sounds insane, Lou, but I'm, I'm looking at my, I'm a student of my own journal. I got lists and lists of dreams, of prophecies, and I go over them over and over again so that I can actually believe I am that man. Come on. To be able to stand and say, John the Baptist, who do men say that you are? That's a great question. Who do men say that you are? Or no, who do you say that you are? What a statement. What would you answer? Who do you say that you are? John answers. They said, are you the prophet? Are you the Jeremiah? Are you whatever it is? He says, no. Then who are you? I'm the dude you've been reading about all these centuries in Isaiah 40. My name is in the book. I'm a voice. Talk about a man baptized in confidence, knowing who he is. It may not be the same kind of thing that in our, with us, but we should be able to know our scroll. We should know our job description. We should know who we are. And if we don't, we cast it, God, tell me who I am. Whatever. And soon after that, we held the call in San Francisco. We had a dream about it. And the day after the call became the recall. And the governor of California was impeached because we dreamed that I was in a stadium where a platform where kings would decree the word of the Lord. And in the dream, the governor of California was in the stands and had to submit to every word that I was speaking. The day after the call, San Francisco, we began to pray that God would remove that man. I don't know about Gavin Newsom, but I believe someday God is about ready to deal with that man in California. I believe he was impeached by a political process, but something had been gained in two stadiums and I called all of California to 40 days of fasting. Did something shift in the heavens? Could it happen in Colorado? Could it happen with a governor? Could it happen with a blood revival, a communion revival, or so many people are getting saved because the veil is being ripped over Colorado? This is how we live our lives. We will not give ourselves to the counsel of despair. We live through the eyes of prophecy. Dreams are like the spies. They tell you what's in the promised land. They keep you alive when everyone else is dying and wandering in the wilderness of depression. I refuse to believe that God is not gonna answer my prayers and fulfill his promises. And if it's the next generation that does it, or if I get a big city like D Denver in the millennium, I'll deal with it then. <laughs> you might think I'm insane. I'm telling true story. I'm invited to preach at an African-American church in, in San Francisco soon after that. I'm preaching on the Elijah Jezebel showdown and the homosexual movement that's coming in America for the issue of marriage. In walks a tall white man, nobody knows who he is. They're 
I mean, everyone knows who he is. They're looking at him, and I don't know who he is, and I'm, they stop listening to me. He sits in the front row, and I could tell he didn't like my message. At the end of the message, the pastor says, the mayor of San Francisco has come here today. He wants to give a word. He's just been elected. He gives a word, and the pastor asked me to pray for him, and I laid my hands upon him. Well, I didn't. I get close to him. And I said, Lord, I thank you that all government is derived from your government. Therefore, let this man know he will be held accountable for everything he does in this city under the government of God. Today, he is the governor of California. Ahab is maturing, but so is Elijah. Do you see it? Well, it didn't work, Lou. No. The prophetic word is still in process. If you move with obedience and you do what God told you to do and you don't see the fruit of it, just understand that you're talking about God doesn't write short stories. He writes long stories. Stick with it long enough. And recently he passed this bill that you cannot criminalize anyone who lets their baby die after birth for 28 days. 28 days, you can let a baby starve to death and no one can criminalize you. And even now in the elections, there is a vote going on in California that will basically, basically, uh, how do I say it? It will, it will put it in the Constitution of California forever, the legalization of abortion up to birth. Am I discouraged? No. God is able to deal with Ahab. He's able to deal with Jezebel. There comes a time when you kill Naboth and God says it's over with. Oh man, I could tell you story after story. Whatever the case, I didn't realize as God was putting me to challenge the two altars of Baal that were primary in the days of Ahab. They, 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 they had state-sanctioned Asherah poles. State-sanctioned sexual perversion. There's a difference between sin and state-sanctioned sin. Time out. There is a difference between institutionalized sin and sin of individuals that go through stuff. God said to Manasseh, when Manasseh repented, he forgave Manasseh, but he would not forgive this institutionalized killing of babies. There's a scripture, I don't even know where it is. Maybe Miriam, you would know. <laughs> it says, shall a throne of iniquity have fellowship with you? Can a evil government have fellowship with you? And then it says, they shed innocent blood and they rise up against the life of the righteous. You cannot have fellowship when you have state institutionalized shedding of blood. Your voting this week is your appointment with Ahab. You didn't get that. You're not voting. You're taking a stand in the face of Ahab. And you can't have fellowship with the government and voting is fellowship. 
we'll be held accountable for our voting. Because we voted for those who sanctioned the shedding of innocent blood and they rise up against the life of the righteous. This government that is raging in America is nothing less than antichrist and it hates Christians, the nicest people in the world. I didn't realize that I, all this would lead and I, I, I gotta, I'll end here. Came to Colorado, Colorado Springs in 2004 and we did 50 days and 50 nights of intercession praying for the ending of abortion. Out of it, we led a team to Washington, D.C., and for 18 years, we've stood there in front of the Supreme Court taking communion and pleading the blood of Jesus. Roe v. Wade is no more after 18 years. With divine intelligence, we dreamed of three of the judges, dreamed of them, some by name, and we prayed with divine intelligence. It was a contending house of prayer. And what I saw here, and even with these prophetic words, what if God would raise up a bridal house of prayer? Maybe day and night. But it would be a contending house of prayer with those who get divine intelligence, know the times and seasons, and they set themselves to fasting and praying. Right now, with Roe v. Wade ended, I'm believing God for communion gatherings like we just did in, uh, in, in Colorado Springs. What if states all across the nation, 50 states would begin to plead a blood that speaks better than the judgment? What, what, what if the blood becomes our answer? He's covering us as we're loosing forgiveness all across the board. This is what I'm dreaming about. We're talking probably this week with a gal in Washington State. I, I, I wish I could tell this story. I'm believing that God is going to raise up voices with massive communion. And I believe we're headed that direction. But when we were there in D.C., we had a dream given to, I mean, in Colorado Springs in 2004 that led us on this journey. And in this dream, there were two tornadoes coming to destroy America. And in the dream, they had the letters A-H-A. Abortion and the homosexual agenda. Me just bringing this up, if it's being filmed, I'm in deep trouble. It's your time, Mike. <laughs> the Lord led us. The Lord led us to, uh, to challenge the A, abortion, and the shifting of the Supreme Court. And we've seen the answer to that. Now it's 50 states, but I'm burning today for the HA. I'm burning that Bob Jones gave us a prophetic word, 1989, that 100,000 LGBT would be saved and transformed by the power of God. And he said to us on a 21-day fast, he said to us, Lou, it's still hanging, waiting for an intercessor. He said there are the eagles that fly in the heavens. They get the prophetic word, but unless you have the wild geese flying in the second heavens, breaking through in V formation, breaking through the demonic powers, the word of the eagle will not be manifest. He said, your tribe are the wild geese. I'm carrying this thing years ago. 
in San Diego, I was preaching on the subject of the, uh, the issue of homosexuality. I had a dream given that I was clothing homosexuals in white 30 years ago. I've lived under the shadow of that dream. And a young man interrupted me in the middle of the meeting and he says, you have no right to tell us struggling with same-sex desires that we can't have our civil rights if you can't give us the deliverance the Bible says we can have. I want that so bad. My friend reading the prophecy this morning had a dream, had a dream that Frisbees were flying up and down the state of California on the beaches. And in the dream, it talked about hate street would become love street. What is it? It's Lonnie Frisbee. Those who have struggled with homosexuality, come on, would release such power into the nation. I am so gripped with this right now. All I'm thinking about is I just want to do 40 days on water. No, I'm serious. I, I'm going to do it, and I want to call all of Colorado to it. Next year, not, you don't have to do it on water, you, you might die. <laughs> but what if Rock Church would actually lead the parades? That God would give us a new Jesus movement. The movie's coming out on the, G, on the Jesus movement. It's coming out. I think it's going to be about Lonnie Frisbee and Calvary Chapel. Maybe God is shouting it's time. When we understand it's time, we set our face to fast and pray. Because God is groaning to bring something into the earth. Revelation demands participation. I could tell story after story today. I won't. I want to pray for you. And please, you just have to take these things that I've shared today and ponder them. And You know, I'm thinking about fasting, you know, fasting for our own children. I lost my own son at age 14, 15 I lost his heart, and he didn't die. We just lost him. He lost me. And on that fast, on the 31st day, I was praying for him every day uh, on water. And he came to me, Dad, and on the 31st day around that time, he said, Dad, I'm having all these dreams about revival. I got my boy back. Maybe we need to rise, raise up a dead child before we raise a dead nation. Maybe Elijah needs to stretch itself out over this generation of fentanyl and suicide. I think this church is a place for that kind of contending devotional prayer. I want to pray for you. Father, I take the words that I've shared today and, Lord, anything that is not meant to be said, just, just cover it. But I'm asking that what you what was spoken by prophecy that this rock church you would build something on this rock that the gates of death will not prevail against I pray that you would give them the keys that will open the doors the keys of revelation raise up prophets out of this community with the highest level of divine wisdom and understanding not just for abortion, but in their own businesses. I'm going to pray that God would give you dreams wherever I go. I pray for dreams. It happens. I don't understand it. But if you would like dreams, I'm going to pray for you. It's the last day's language of the Holy Spirit. Would you raise your hands if you would? I want to pray. In the name of Jesus, I loose 
the prophetic anointing for the keys that unlock doors. Release dreams to this people, Lord. That in their movement of prayer, that God, they would have the highest realms of divine intelligence, of scripture, of prophetic whirlwinds and dreams. I pray that you would open their ear to listen as a people being taught. I just reach up and grab that and say, God, I desire. I just desire to hear your voice. Open my ears. If it doesn't happen right away, just pray it over and over. God, just speak to me. At night, speak to me. And when you get a dream, don't just simply say, it's a dream, just a dream. Who knows what angel had to break through principalities and powers to deliver that message to you. Your old men will dream dreams. Fan into flame the older generation. Move us from retirement, God, into deployment like Daniel. I release the grace of fasting like Daniel at age 84, shifting principalities and powers. Father, I pray, stir prophetic activity. Unroll their scrolls. Show them who they are. Baptize us as confidence. God, I pray this prophecy, 120 miles, that this peg will stand, it would be planted. And that we ask for a Jesus movement to break out all over Colorado. We ask that God, you would end abortion. Even if it takes years, Now, simply at the end of this, simply say the Lord, I don't know what it means to, to me, you might say. But I say, here am I. Lo, it is written of me in the book, here I come. It was written in the scroll, the book. Lord, here am I, send me. Would you just pray that? Lay your hand on your heart and say, God, open my ears. Burn offerings and sacrifices you've not desired, but my ears you've opened. Then I said, here I come. Here I come, Lord. I want to step into the reason I was born. Unroll their scrolls with a sound that says, here I come. In Jesus' name I pray. want to do one more thing and just feel if you guys are willing to just hold here for a minute just want to take communion as we close and uh, I just feel the weight just of this response to the Lord right now where he would just say will you drink of this cup Christy and I, when we were 
just earlier this week and on Friday we were just praying and wrote something down as we were just praying into this and just to what Lou was speaking into I said we need to come to the rev- resolution that following Jesus will cost us everything I didn't know what Lou was going to speak on today but can we come to that resolution now and I love what he said. Yeah, when we take the cup, yes, it's, it's like there's the blessings and the, the amazing things of the Lord. But, but I want you to just see this as we take this cup. In Luke 22, it says, Jesus went out, as usual, on the Mount of Olives. And with his disciples, they followed him. And upon reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Isn't it interesting? Here's the words of Jesus, the prayer. If you are willing, take the cup from me. But then he says this, but not my will, but your will be done. And he drank the cup. He took the cup. Are we willing to give it all for Jesus? Because I think the, the problem with the, the way Christianity is spoken in the, in the Western church is that it's just all this amazing blessing and the part that's missed is that it will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. And so if we can make that resolution now in our lives, that it's going to cost you everything to drink this cup, to take his body and to drink of his blood. If we can make this resolution now, then when the hard times come, when the difficulties come, when the persecution hits, There's no decision to be made. There's no question of what we're going to do and how we're going to respond. When the Lord says, fast for 40 days on water, well, Lord, I might die. We've already said it'll cost us everything. We've already made the resolution. It can cost us our families. It can cost us our jobs. It can cost us everything that we have. But is it worth it? Absolutely, it's worth it. He's worthy of it all. Amen. So we're going to take communion, but I, I just I feel like there's a weight on this. So as you take it, what I'm asking you is to make that resolution, to, to make that decision now. You know, we made the decision, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and Lord, come into my life and make me the person you want me to be, and, and I'll you're the Lord of my life. And, but do we really know what we're saying? And, and I get it. It's a process that we go through. It's not like day one when somebody says yes to Jesus, they really have no idea what they're saying yes to. <laughs> Will we lay it all down? Will we give everything that we have? Will we, are we willing to give it all up for that, for the cup? for the blood and the body of Jesus. So Lord, 
just, we just pause for just a moment here. Lord, may we make that resolution in our lives right now, in our heart, that no matter how difficult situations get, no matter how many people come against us, no matter what gets stripped from us on this earth, Lord, that we make the resolution that we will follow you all the days of our life. That we will love those that persecute us. We will bless those that come against us. We will love with the same love that you had for us, that on that very cross, being crucified in front of the entire world, that your words were, forgive them. They don't know what they've done. May we walk in that forgiveness and in that love that we would love every person with the same love that you loved us. We want to see the LGBTQ community come to a place of radically being transformed and coming to Jesus. It's going to come from those who love with the same love that you loved. I believe if we're going to see abortion come to an end, it's going to come from love. It's the perfect love that casts out all fear. It breaks the lies. It breaks off the injustice. Jesus came with the love of the Father. It says God is love. It says this is love that a father would give his son to be an atoning sacrifice for us to put us in the right standing with the Father through Christ because of that love. May we do the same. May we drink of the same cup. The way Jesus laid his life down for us is what he calls us to do for others. So Today, we make a resolution between you and the Lord if you're willing to make that resolution. And it may be difficult. It's not the same for everyone. God has a plan for your life. And I know it's always said, well, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. It may be to be, to live a martyr, <laughs> to die a martyr death. That may be his plan for your life. Will we say yes to the call, to the very thing that he has for us? Will we give of our lives? So Lord, I thank you for, for those that just say, yes, I will give it all. No matter what it costs me, I'll make that resolution today. This is an individual thing this took right now. This isn't even a group thing. It's just between you and Jesus. Just make that resolution. 
we take his body, which was broken for us. We take the cup of the new covenant.